Today's sermon reading comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to chapter 5, verse 20. You are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For all of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such thing, things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. 
always giving thanks to the God, to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I remember being encouraged to say these words in early primary school when kids were mean. But these words are not true, are they? I'm sure we've all felt the lasting sting of careless or hurtful words. In many cases, the impact of these harmful words may, much, may last much longer than the cast to heal our broken bones. For many of us, our deepest scars have been caused by people's words rather than by sticks or stones. Whether it's in the form of rejection at a job interview or from a potential partner or the stinging words of an upset child or a bitter ex-partner or a thoughtless partner or a disappointed parent. I'm sure we can all remember specific words that have been spoken to us that still now bring us pain. But I'm also sure we can all think of beautiful words of encouragement that we've been told, whether it's the words, I love you, or I'm proud of you, or well done, you nailed it. Words stick with us and can bring us great joy as well as pain. Words matter. So today as we continue our series on habits that help us grow, we're thinking about our words. But as we begin, let's pray that God will help us to think well about our words and that he will use my words to help us be people who use our words for God's glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of communication, that we can speak and understand one another. Help us to think well about how we use our words today. In the words of Psalm 19, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, last week, uh, Pete began our summer series by helping us think about three particular habits, Bible reading, prayer and fellowship. And in a sense, all of these are related to our words. The Bible as God's word to us. Prayer as our words to him, and fellowship as our words to one another. Words matter. And this is certainly true all through the Bible. Whether it's right in the first chapter of Genesis, as we see God creating the world, the universe, by his powerful word. Or in the third chapter, as Satan deceives Eve by his false words. We very quickly see the importance of words. And this is carried all through to the last chapter of the Bible, where we're warned of the danger that awaits anyone who adds or takes away from these words of Scripture. The importance of words is clear. Words matter to God. And today I'll be touching a few times about how our words are not just our in-person communication. These days lots of communication happens online, and we do well to be careful of our online speech too. Moses may have written on tablets, but that's quite different from the way that we do now. And while the Bible doesn't speak directly to life online, uh, this morning we'll be thinking about how these instructions for our speech affect our online behaviour as well as our speech in person. But let's get into it. In the passage from Ephesians that was just read out, Paul's instructing Christians in Ephesus how to live as God's people how to live as children of light. And through the passage, there are many ways that Paul addresses our use of words. There's more than I'll even touch on today. 
But as we think about words this morning, we'll see how we are to be people who speak truthfully, who speak wholesomely, and who speak wisely. The section that was read begins with Paul exhorting the Ephesian Christians to be made new in the attitude of their minds, to put on their new self, created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And the first thing this looks like is speaking truthfully. Verse 25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. As God's people, we are to speak the truth. We should not lie. This shouldn't seem too groundbreaking. The ninth commandment is that we don't lie. And in John chapter 8, Satan is described as the father of lies. So it makes sense that as members of the body of Christ, lies should be far from our lips. But that can be so hard, can't it? Sometimes a lie may, may make us look more intelligent or informed or powerful. A lie might stop us from feeling awkward in a situation where the truth is hard or uncomfortable. And when we sin, a lie may ensure that we don't get found out. As we turn to life online, social media is often a place for our filtered and manicured, even manufactured pictures. A place where we can manage people's impressions of us by carefully controlling what we post. Culturally, it seems like this trend of everyone advertising the best of their life for others to see, while omitting any of the regular difficulties of life, is contributing to a rise in low self-esteem as we compare our lives with only the best of the lives of others. And there have been attempts to reverse this with apps like Be Real, where each day at a random time you're given two minutes to take a photo to show what your life is really like. But even those photos are often created to show us in a positive light rather than being truly candid. So for us, are our online profiles true words? Or are we falsely representing ourselves? This may all seem like a minor issue, but all lies are serious. If we make a habit of telling small white lies that don't seem to hurt anyone, all we're doing is forming bad habits of deceit in ourselves that make it so much easier for us to lie to cover up bigger things. But these little white lies can be so hard to eliminate, can't they? Deception is so often part of the air we breathe. You can see it in the way that we use the expression, to be honest. We use this expression at the start of sentences when we want to show that we're being straightforward. We're being down to earth. We're telling the truth without any embellishment. But why do we say it? Because so often we're not being perfectly honest and we know it. Our habit is to use our words not primarily to speak the truth, but to achieve other goals, to manipulate people to doing what we want them to do, to make people think better of us. Well, at least that's me if I'm being perfectly honest. But it shouldn't be. Christians are people of the truth, people who speak truthfully. And we're also people who speak wholesomely. Verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. And this theme continues in chapter 5, verse 4, where we we read, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place. 
And Paul isn't only speaking here about foul language and dirty jokes, though casual swear words and inappropriate joking is certainly one example. He's also talking about words that thoughtlessly discourage people, words that deliberately tear other people down, words of slander and gossip, words of bragging. And again, the online world can be a fertile environment for such unwholesome words. Perhaps it's the anonymity of being online and the resulting feeling of power that leads people to voicing their opinions more thoughtlessly. But we only have to read a few online comments to see how quickly people's words can turn personal and hurtful and hateful. But all unwholesome talk is improper for God's people. Our tongue, and now also our thumbs, are powerful weapons. In James, we read of the tongue's destructive power as it's compared to a spark that causes a great forest fire, a small part of the body that corrupts the whole body. And so we need to be careful to keep ourselves from unwholesome words. And I think one of the key ways that we do that is by managing the words that come into us, the words that shape us. Paul tells us that whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So how do we go when we apply that as a guide to the things that we watch and listen to and read? And of course, of first importance is that we are reading God's word. Pete spoke at length last week about the importance of God's word as a key healthy habit for us to be forming. And it's worth reiterating, spending time in God's word is crucial. It helps us to understand ourselves and the world that we live in and the God who made us and loves us. Our habit of reading God's word by ourselves and with others is the most important habit that we can build. But we do well to consider the other words that we listen to throughout our week. The shows that we watch, the music that we listen to, The way we filter even our own self-talk all shapes the way that we use our words. And unfortunately, it's getting harder and harder to find a show to watch that doesn't involve obscenity, foolish talk and coarse language. And I'm not suggesting that we need to remove ourselves completely from the society that we live in. But do we consider the words that we consume and how they're shaping us? At what point is it wise to miss that new movie? or give up on the TV series, or change the radio station, because the words that we hear are adversely affecting the words that we speak. Are we actively thinking about things that are praiseworthy, or is our downtime watching TV fueling the unwholesome words that we speak? And it's not only about the words that we don't speak. Back to verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So rather than unwholesome words, we should try hard to speak words that build others up, speaking words of encouragement to one another. Have you heard the saying that if you can't find anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all? Well, we should be people who go even one step further and find something nice to say that will help build others up. So how are we going to intentionally speak words of encouragement this year? How are we going to build one another up in our faith as we journey together in 2023? 
We've got to be people who speak truthfully and who speak wholesomely. But there's one more aspect of words that I want to look at today. As well as being truthful and wholesome, we are to speak wisely. And particularly here, I mean the way that we speak about Jesus. How we speak the gospel, both to fellow Christians and to those who don't yet follow Jesus. In verse 15 of chapter 5, Paul writes, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. In our lives and in our words, we are to be wise and make the most of all the opportunities that we have to show, to show other people the truth about Jesus. So are we using our conversations to remind our fellow Christians of the grace that we've been shown in Jesus and in that way building them up? Are we speaking to non-Christians around us of the wonderful hope that we have in Christ and holding that same hope out to them? Do our online presences and profiles show our Christian faith? Are we willing to post Bible verses or invites to things happening at church? We're told to always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. But when was the last time we actually gave that answer? Have we invited anyone to church or to read the Bible with us? These things can seem really, really daunting. And so I'm really excited about the term ahead here at Shell Harbour City where we're going to be thinking intentionally about how we can be better prepared and confident to share our faith with those around us. These are the words that are wise, that will build up, and that are true. And as we thought before about how the words coming in shape our words going out, the same is important here. Do the words that come into us help us to love Jesus more, to speak more naturally about him and what he's done, Are they encouraging us to love God more and reminding us of his work for us so we overflow with words of praise for him? Do we listen to Christian music? Do we read Christian books? Do we subscribe to Christian podcasts? As we guard the words that come into us and take root in us, we'll more and more be people who speak truthfully, wholesomely and wisely. But why does our speech matter that much? Well, it's because of who we are. Back to the start of our passage in Ephesians 4.24, we're told to be made new in the attitude of our minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. All through Ephesians, believers in Christ are seen as holy, as set apart for God. God himself is holy. We saw that in Isaiah 6, verse 3. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is excellent, supreme, distinct from all he has made. And when God loved us and saved us, he called us to be holy, to belong to him and to be set apart for him, living pure and upright lives. And this holiness must be reflected in our words. We should use our speech to show that we belong to God. But so often, the words we speak are not reflective of our holy status. We speak words that are untrue, that are unwholesome and unwise. And these words aren't just a problem for our tongue, they're a problem of our heart. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks about good and bad trees and says, A good man 
brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our untruthful, unwholesome and unwise words betray a problem with our hearts. And throughout the Bible, the heart is depicted as the core of our being. It shows what we are like. It's why in Proverbs we read, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. But our mouths, our words, are often what shows the condition of our heart. It's why the very next verse of Proverbs reads, Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Our words matter because they show what's in our hearts. And even though we're often able to bite our tongues and hold back our harsh words, we still have a problem in our hearts. And I know that that's not just me, because God's word says it's true of all us humans. The heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. No amount of reading God's word or listening to good music or podcasts or sermons is able to fix our problem of sin. But there is a word that can. John's Gospel begins with the line, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This Word is Jesus, God's perfect Son. And in verse 14 of John chapter 1 we read, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is what we've just celebrated at Christmas as Jesus entered the world. God incarnate, the Word become flesh. And the reason that Jesus came was because we are sinners in need of saving, because of our deceitful hearts and our fallen words. We all recognise our own sin as we reflect on our words, that there are times far too frequent even to bring to mind where we have raised our voices at others or where we have kept silent when we should have spoken up for others, times where we have lied or spoken harsh and untrue words. Our broken words reflect our broken hearts, but it's these broken hearts that Jesus came to heal. By his death, all of our sin has been dealt with. At the cross, the word become flesh. The one who spoke the universe into existence gave his last words, well, before he rose again at least, and cried out, it is finished. As Jesus died on the cross, the punishment for our sinful words, for the slips of our tongue and for the destruction caused by our thumbs, was paid for so that by trusting in Jesus, we can be forgiven. He is the one word that saves. Our words matter, and we need to work hard to make sure that our words glorify God, not speaking harshly or carelessly, but speaking truthfully, wholesomely wisely. And the best way for us to work on our words is by working on our hearts, ensuring that the words that come in are edifying us and building us up as God's people. As we do so, our hearts will overflow with words of love for one another, with words of the gospel for the world that so desperately needs it. But we don't do this not just out of self-improvement, but because the word has come down and given himself for us. The punishment for our false, hurtful, inappropriate words has been taken as the true word has declared us righteous by what he has done. 
The words we speak matter because they show what's in our hearts. The word come down matters because God knows what's in our hearts. So let's thank God for forgiving us and pray for his help in the year ahead as we seek to honour him with all of our words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your words to us, that they reveal who you are and also that they show us who we are. We are sorry for the way that we misuse our words, for when we speak hurtfully or deceitfully or inconsiderately. Thank you for sending Jesus, the word become flesh, that we may be forgiven. Help us now to guard our lips and to speak words that bring you glory in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.